Chapter 6 Jake starts my Lexus. I recline the leather passenger seat and relax my head against the headrest, close my eyes, and let the waning sunshine warm my face. I'm not sure I'm buying this whole struggling artist act you've got going on, darling. Jake backs down his driveway. I smile, too mellow to defend my position. When I was a struggling artist, he navigates up the canyon. I lived in a tiny two-bedroom house in North Hollywood with four other musicians. We all shared one car, a brown pinto. We were lucky as hell when she started. I picture Jake as a dashing young musician, tearing up the 70s music scene. I guess I don't have it that bad, I turn to him. My roommate and I each have our own master suite in our Brentwood apartment, and my family supports me financially more than I appreciate, I'm sure. I'd love to see you in that suite of yours, Jake ogles me. My face must react to his lechery because he changes his tune. I mean, you're living in luxury and you don't even know it, darling. I'm here to teach you to heed your own good fortune. He makes several winding turns up the canyon. Lexi drives like a dream. He coins my car's new nickname. Lexi. Lexi. I like it, I say. I guess she is pretty cool. Even though she's getting on in her years, maybe I should stop hating on her? I think you should, Jake grumbles. Gratitude is key. I didn't even know that Pinto was an actual car, I segue back. I thought it was a fictitious name people used to refer to a piece of shit car. Jake laughs. You weren't too far off the mark. We called her the Bean. I would have loved to see you driving around town in the Bean. I'm sorry I missed that. I gaze at Jake, envisioning him around the time I was born. Lexi cruises round a bend in Mulholland Canyon. My buzz is wearing off. It's faded to a mellow glow, like the late afternoon sun. Jake knows the canyons intimately. I don't think I've ever been back here. I peer out the window. No? He asks, surprised. That's a good sign. The trick is to keep these back roads a secret. If I pass my secrets on to you, you must promise not to tell anyone. Deal. We must preserve these pathways. Or the next thing we know, the 405 will barrel right through here. The drive is surreal. Exquisite lighting trails the sun's journey across the sky through cotton puff clouds. Jake opens the windows and the sunroof. Wind rushes through the car and exhilarates my fading high. Born and raised in Los Angeles, 
I've always cherished the variety offered by the sprawling city and its surrounding terrain. Mountains, ocean, desert, palm trees. We have it all. The widespread layout houses endless nooks to discover. During this first drive with Jake through the rustic back canyon roads, I experience an aspect of L.A. I've previously missed. I glimpse the city through a new set of eyes. The energy between Jake and me surges, and it feels like we're driving around on our own personal playground. Life is an adventure. Even mundane tasks offer hedonistic pleasure with Jake. The canyon pours us out at the Coenga Pass near Studio City. Jake whips the car into the parking lot of a sporting goods store. I thought we were going for fish. Are we here to pick up a pole? Jake howls. I like the way you think. That sounds real nice. We'll go fishing someday soon. First, I need a backpack and I need it now. He screeches into a parking spot. Wow, I say. Lexi's getting a ride tonight. Inside the store, we pick out a black corduroy backpack for Jake. Infinitely giddy about his purchase, he puts it on straight away. We laugh like children in the aisles of the store, finding ridiculous humor in the simple task. I notice people staring at us and wonder if they're gawking because we're having fun or because of our age gap. As Jake starts up Lexi, I tell him, that was the most fun I've ever had in a sporting goods store. Maybe the most fun I've ever had doing anything, I think. Stick with me, darling. <sighs> so your job is to experience life and then write songs about it? I ask naively. Backlit by the fading sun, Jake swivels his head toward me, raises the rose-tinted lenses of his Oliver People's sunglasses, and stabs directly into my eyes. Welcome to my world. He drawls with his rasp and a mischievous half-grin. It's one of those moments. Feels like God speaks to me through Jake. He's welcoming me to a new world, demonstrating how to experience the natural beauty of life, inspiring me to express it artistically. Jake has mastered the art of living, and I want in on his mastery. With him, colors appear brighter. Trees more lush, Toro more decadent, and the inherent humor of life more absurd, more exquisite. Personally, I feel more talented and more beautiful in Jake's presence, and I like it. Back at Jake's favorite sushi bar, only two corner stools are available. He pulls one out for me, and we sit. With our infectious mood, we're better off in the corner anyhow. Nato-san greets us with a knowing look, like we're up to no good and he's in on it. Ah, welcome back, Sicily. He bows in my direction and looks to Jake. Uh, this one I like, Mr. Jake. Nato-san's grin takes over his whole face and beyond. I like her too. You've got good taste, my good man. Jake charms both of us with one brushstroke. A waitress sets two tall glasses before us. I wonder how many women Jake has brought to his favorite sushi spot. The waitress overflows our glasses with cold, sweet sake and a sweet smile for Jake. Jake toasts. Our cups runneth over. May our lives runneth over too. May my cup one day runneth over as much as yours does, Jake. We clink glasses, making eye contact. When I was coming up, it was important for me to stand my ground in my career. 
make my own decisions. Jake steers the conversation. That sounds important. I'm dedicated to freedom. My career gives me the freedom to work from both home and the road. You're lucky. I'd give anything to be free. Freedom is one of the most important aspects of being a writer. You can write any place, anytime. It's a gift, but it takes discipline. You won't find that specific freedom as an actress, you know. My face burns. Jake waves a red flag. I sense he's manipulating the conversation to fit into his agenda, telling me what I should do. I mark the moment. His statement churns in my stomach. I identify him as the embodiment of a test to tempt me off my path. It's a path I've sworn to walk unencumbered until I achieve my goal of making it as a Hollywood movie star. Now and then a man comes along who distracts my focus. So far, I've always maintained my course. I'm confident I can handle Jake Easton. Please. I've handled all the others. I've traveled most of the world. I've been fortunate to have a career that provides me the opportunity. Jake shares. I can't wait to travel to exotic locations as an actress. I exaggerate my air-headed wannabe movie star dialect. Jake seems annoyed, like my statement is a fly he needs to swat. I'm sure that'll be nice for you, but there are drawbacks to having a career that dictates your travel destinations to such a degree. The spirit of spontaneity diminishes. I don't know if I've fully articulated my goals to you yet. My purpose in hiring you to assist me? You mentioned you want to put out an album or two. And a book of poetry? Is there anything else? I want to tour the world on this next album. On my own terms. I raise my eyebrows. That sounds amazing. It's a lot of hard work. And it can be a lonely process. It's important to have good people around. He picks up his sake to toast. To good people. To the world, I say. We drink. Jake continues. First, the writing. I planned on using material I'd written over the past ten years. But suddenly, I feel like writing a lot. I want to write new material while traveling. I'll be spending time in Ireland for sure. Some travel in Europe. Some time in New York. Then some winter writing time in Wyoming before heading home to Texas for Christmas. He cocks his head, studying me. I could see you in Wyoming, writing your novel by crackling fireplace, in a cabin nestled against the snowy Rocky Mountains. His voice trails off. Doesn't that sound nice? Yes, it does, I admit. Are you from Texas? Yes, Amarillo, but we spent summers in Wyoming. My dad and I did a lot of fishing. His voice turns melancholy. The cowboy state has a special place in my heart. Undeniably enamored by Jake's vision. Suddenly, I want to write my novel by a crackling fireplace in a cabin nestled against the snowy Rocky Mountains right by Jake's side. More than I want anything else. Meanwhile, Anxiety tickles my throat as I wonder how Jake's European travel plans will affect my brand new dream job as his assistant. Do his travel plans include me? I'm already afraid to lose him. I want to go with him wherever he goes. When will your travels begin? I ask, nonchalantly. Sooner than later. I have some things to take care of here first. His face saddens. He chokes on his words. 
I have to take a trip up north to scatter ladies' ashes in the Pacific. I mentioned I lost both my dogs this year. You did. I'm sorry for your loss. Why up north? Good friends of mine have a ranch up there. It's sort of an artist haven. Folks like Lawrence Fairlingetti, William Burroughs, and Allen Ginsberg have all sought refuge there over the years to get away from the noise while riding. I'm blessed to be part of the regular crowd on the ranch. That strip of Pacific there is just beautiful. That's where I scattered Charlie's ashes. It's time for his sister to join him. Jake paints an enticing picture. Talk of artist havens, beat poets, traveling through Europe, riding dogs in the Pacific Ocean. Mesmerizes me. The wistful tone of Jake's voice is hypnotic. I sigh. I love the Pacific Ocean. That stretch from Topanga Canyon to Zuma is most beloved to me. We scattered my father's ashes in the Pacific. He was a surfer. Jake's eager for more details. How old was he when he died? Thirty. Jake's eyes soften and lock into mine. I'm sorry. Thanks. When I think of my dad, I think of sandy peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and the scent of surfboard wax. I grew up on the beach. What a beautiful place to grow up. Sometimes you have to leave a place to know it as home. Do you know what I mean? Like, upon return, home becomes home. Home, to me, has always felt like a place I've never been. We're staring into each other's eyes. The moment is too intimate. I have to look away. I tear my eyes from him. Like that cabin in Wyoming in the wintertime, I stir my miso soup. What about it? Nothing. It just feels like home, I whisper. And God knows I've never been to Wyoming. Embarrassed, I jolt out of my fantasy. What time is it? It's more of a statement than a question. We need to watch the clock. I have rehearsal. I search the restaurant for a clock. I've got my eye on the clock for you. Jake's tone is controlling. Despite the easy and enriching conversation that flows between us, I have a growing sense of trepidation. I notice lingering glances from fellow sushi eaters, or at least I think I do. My ego screams that people are staring because they assume I'm a young bimbo sleeping with an older man for his money. My gut argues that the stares, if they exist at all, are because of the transmissible energy sparking between Jake and me. Nato-san sets a plate in front of each of us. It's the chef's special custom-made. I eye the unidentifiable, mushy, brainy, bubbly concoction. Jake nods and grumbles his thanks in broken Japanese. I'm certain I see nervousness in his eyes. I catch him red-handed, trying to control his face from contorting into a curious look of disgust at Nato-san's unholy creation. I watch closely as Jake takes a bite. It's the same look that took over his face the last time I watched him sample Nato-san's special dish. Mmm, Nato-san, you've outdone yourself this time. This is superb. Dynamite, man. Jake reaches for his water. Nato-san bows his head with an impish grin and resumes his duties. I pluck a glob from my plate with my chopsticks and drop it onto my tongue. Mmm, I fake as the slimy, salty sensation turns my taste buds inside out. 
I feel Jake's eyes drilling into me. As I turn my eyesight to meet his, the frozen look of wondrous horror on his face almost makes me spit the shit all over the sushi bar. I want to reach for my water, but if Jake looks at me in the wrong way, while I have a mouthful, I might spray the whole damn restaurant. Well, I reason, whatever it is, at least we know it's the very best of it. Jake's laugh is unabated. My reasoning exactly, my dear. It hits me. I already absolutely love to make Jake laugh. I fear I'm falling in love with him, and I've only known him two days. Maybe now's a good time to get out of here, I segue, as on cue, Nato-san approaches with two plates of Toro. Ah, Sicily's favorite, Nato-san chimes. On the house! I savor the Toro, promising myself I will never take it for granted. Jake watches me for a moment and blurts. I want to get married and have children. I'm searching for a wife. (sighs) Are you serious? I almost choke on the Toro. Dead serious. Have you ever been married? Once for a year when I was 23. Several months into the marriage, I went on the road for the first time. While I was out there, I asked myself, what the hell are you doing? I went home and called the whole thing off. I didn't cheat. I just broke it off. I'm a one woman at a time man. But once it's over, it's over. I pick up my glass. I'd like to make a toast to our new work relationship. May it be fruitful and productive. Jake looks perplexed. We clink glasses and swallow the last drops of sweet sake. I take out my cell phone and glance. It's late. We really need to go. There are a few tasks I need to take care of at home before rehearsal. I realize Hooters could be my saving grace. Before being cast in the show, I had no project in the works to make me feel productive or balanced. Depression had me lost and immobilized. In that state, it would have been easy to get wrapped up in Jake's life, whereby neglecting my own. But for the next four months, I am now committed to a consistent, consuming rehearsal process. (sighs) Life has a way of working itself out. Although rehearsing six months for the three-day run of a play is absurd, The timing could not be better. I need to focus on my career, not on fantastical visions of Jake and me traveling the world together, or cuddling in front of a crackling fireplace in Wyoming, working on a novel that HarperCollins will publish with a hefty advance. I must stay connected to reality. (laughs) 